Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The title of the lesson is to use common sense. Use common sense. There was a... uh, There was a young lady who was working late. She got off late at night around 9 p.m. And she lived in the city. So upon completing her work shift, she walked to uh, the subway to take public transportation. When she got there, she did what a lot of people do nowadays, which is they they check their phone. So she had her phone and she's just checking her messages. Um, But she kind of sensed someone was, you know, watching her, but she kind of brushed it off because, well, there's a lot of people there at the subway, didn't think nothing of it. So she just kept scrolling on her phone and she gets onto the subway once it arrived and she grabbed her seat and um, she was really just uh, focused and drawn into her phone and catching up on all the things that she needed to catch up on, um, just getting done her work shift. Um, But she did notice that a figure or someone sat down next to her, but she took the window seat. So her focus was more, uh, you know, kind of towards that window and and in her phone. So she really didn't take notice who sat down next to her. Well, the subway finally came to a stop and the person that was sitting next to her had already gotten up, must have been in a rush and headed toward the exit of the door. And so she, uh, Really didn't even catch notice of who it was. And so she finally, eventually, everyone's unloading. She got up out of her seat and headed towards the exit. As she headed towards the exit, she comes off the subway. And she starts walking toward uh, her, her home destination. And as she's doing that, she's sensing that someone's following her. And so she put together what was happening at the subway before she loaded. She, she kind of had a sense but she had her head in her phone and then she uh, sits down and she knew someone was next to her. She never even took notice of who it was, but now she's walking home. She's getting a little bit more nervous, but she's still focused on her phone. And so she decides to just speed up. Finally, she got this real odd feeling that someone really indeed was following her. So she decided to stop and turn around. And I'll tell you what happened to her at the end of the message. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, um, judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? This one verse, Paul makes what I believe to be an appeal to common sense. In other words, he says, judge in yourselves. Um, lay aside um, angels for a minute, which we saw and he argued from in in verse 10, lay aside the creation account, lay aside everything, and now just judging yourselves. It's basically what he's saying in verse number 13. Um, This appeal to common sense, let me ask you this, what goes up and down but never travels anywhere? That would be stairs. (laughs) A little thinking, a little thought, a little someone telling you that and then giving you the answer. You're like, oh, why didn't I think of that? 
And so Paul makes this appeal here to common sense. And the implication of the answer is a negative answer. In other words, the answer is no. Read the question. Judging judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Well, the answer is no. In other words, the common sense appeal ties into what the answer is. In other words, you know what the answer is. But he says, judge in yourselves. And Paul asked them to take the matter into their own hands. Why? I believe he's trying to get them to see that this thing is so clear. Just judging yourselves. All you have to do is just stop, think, pray for a minute, and you'll figure it out. Here's an example. You've got five apples in a basket. You've got five people to distribute those apples to. How can you give one apple to each individual? yet still keep one apple in the basket. Do you have the answer? It's simple. The fifth person, you hand them the basket with the apple in it. (laughs) Right? What do we call that? We call that common sense. We call that someone asked you that question and you're like, gee, I don't know. And then they give you the answer. You're like, why didn't I think of that? That's common sense. I should have got that. And I believe that's what Paul's trying to get them to do here. Sometimes we spend too much time overthinking. Sometimes we spend too much time trying to make something more theological than it actually is. And so he says, hey, judge in yourselves. We all heard the saying, the problem with common sense nowadays is there's there's no more common sense. (laughs) It's not so common. But I believe why people lose the scope of having common sense is because they can't remove themselves from the situation and take a step back so that they can really get a broad view. They're just personally and emotionally attached to whatever it is that they're on. People do tend to overcomplicate things. We know the acronym for KISS, keep it simple, stupid, right? It's kind of a, an acronym that's a bit uh, humorously insulting. Uh, we've all said that to people, and we've all had people say that to us um, in a way to try to get us to back off from maybe overcomplicating something. And the way that you might see something, the way that I might see something, it may be wrong. And so instead of overcomplicating something, we should be, and and instead of being emotionally attached to something, we should be willing to step back. We should be willing to give up what we think and just be able to admit, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. And I think that'll give us a better Uh, view or a better heart attitude towards getting some Bible truth. Some things are very easy to understand, judging yourselves. And then the Bible goes on to say in that verse, is it comely? In other words, is it decent? They say, come on, you guys know. Is this thing decent? Is Is it undecent? 
And that's all commonly means. It just means becoming. Comely means it's proper. In Psalm 33 and in Psalm 147, we see God giving us truth that praise is comely. Meaning praise is proper. Praise is decent. And it's right when given unto God. So the question is, is it comely, watch what it says next, that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Now, if you're judging yourselves, wouldn't common sense tell you what is decent? Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Now watch. Let's go through this. Let's use some common sense. Okay. We know that we know that God's trying to tell us that it would be proper and decent and fitting, hence the word comely, that a woman pray unto God covered. So let's define, let's define that word. Look at verse 15. Her hair is given her for a covering. Now, if I just read that part of the verse in that part of the chapter, we could all use common sense and put our preconceived notions aside that we know Paul is addressing the hair that is given as the covering, right? Okay. Then how do we deal with verse number six? Now, let's use common sense. How do we deal with verse number six? Because someone would say to you that if the covering is the long hair, then why would God say, for if the woman won't have long hair, let her cut her hair? In other words, they go to verse six and they say, the hair can't just be the covering because if you go to some Greek words, you can come up and you can piece the sentence together and it would read like this. If a woman ought not have long hair, then let her cut her hair, which if you said that to a woman would make no sense. And if you said that to a church, it would make no common sense. And so then they would argue that, you see, verse number six doesn't match verse number 15. And that's why they that's why Paul is trying to tell them they need an artificial or additional covering. So what I would like to do is let's judge in ourselves. But did you understand that argument? Verse 15 doesn't line up with verse 6 because people that believe you need an artificial covering believe that verse 6 is saying, if a woman won't have long hair, then let her cut her hair. Well, how can she cut her hair if she don't have any long hair to cut? In other words, you're wrong. It's not just the hair. It's something else. So I am appealing to us all tonight to use some common sense and let's read the verse as it's written and then believe it as it's written and see if we can figure out the common sense. Okay, verse number six. Uh, for if the woman be not covered, okay, verse 15 says her hairs are covering. Okay, so her hairs are covered. Uh, more specifically, her long hair, verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory 
to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Okay, so I got that. For if a woman be not covered, if a woman have not long hair, that's her covering. Let her also be shorn. Well, shorn means you didn't cut your hair. Your hair is shorn. It means it's 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 a crew cut. Okay, that's a shorn head. But if it be a shame for a woman to be, uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. You know what a shaved head is? That's a bald head. There's a difference. And let me back up to verse six. Look at the end. Well, let's read the whole verse. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. So let's use some common sense. Long hair. Okay. Then you have short hair. Then you have shorn hair. Then you have completely shaved, a shaved head. Does that seem pretty reasonable and easy to understand? Long hair, short hair, a shorn head, and then a shaved head. It seems to me that there's four different type of haircuts being talked about here, amen? My uncle was a barber. He'd really like this sermon. <laughs> Look, you know what God's saying? A woman's long hair is her glory. If she's not going to have long hair as her glory, she might as well just shorn her head. It's the same thing in my eyes. And if she's not going to have long hair, she might as well just shave her head bald. That's all God. He's trying to give a word picture to show how ridiculous it would be for a woman to have short hair. He's just trying to give an extreme word picture using hair to show that a woman's glory is her long hair. That's it. Does that seem pretty reasonable? And does that seem like common sense if we tied verse 13 to verse 15 and cross-referenced it back to verses 5 and 6? I believe very easily we can prove by reading and believing and cross-referencing the Bible in the context of the Bible, that God is talking about a distinction of long versus short hair. Can we also agree that we don't see any measurements given? God's just making a statement on glory and distinction and shame. And distinction. That's all God's doing. It's all he's doing. We don't check hair length. We don't have scissors and razors and, and buzz, buzzers <laughs> to try to get everybody in alignment with three or four verses in the Bible. We want to try to teach the Bible and allow the Holy Spirit to convict somebody through the proclamation of the word. We're not trying to force somebody into something. We're just trying to lay out what the Bible says. And I think it's pretty common sense. Pretty common sense. 
Okay. Now let's back up and go back to verse 13, the verse we're on tonight. Watch what it says. Judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Let's make an implied common sense question that isn't being asked, but is being asked, which is, is it comely that a man pray unto God covered? <laughs> it's basically just taking the opposite question. Look at verse number seven. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head. Verse number 14, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, what's the covering, the long of the hair, it is a shame unto him. A man with long hair, God says that's shameful. Verse number 15, hair is the covering. So common sense would tell me, judging yourselves, common sense would tell me, that a man not covering his head would mean he has short hair. If a woman, long hair is her glory. And God says, hey, look, if you're going to pray or prophesy, make sure you get your head covering. The covering is your hair in verse 15 or 16. And so that, then the opposite will be true of a man. What's the covering? The long hair on the woman. What's the uncovering? The short hair on the man. Wouldn't common sense tell you the biblical implication is just that simple? It's just that simple. Common sense is commonly called farmer sense. Farmer wakes up on a spring morning and it's dark and it's cloudy and it's soaking wet because of the night before's rainfall. But he's got seed. He was he was going to sow that day. But he can't sow the seed because it's going to rot out. It's too soppy, soppy. It's too dark and cloudy. It would be a horrible day for that farmer. To sow his seed. Oh no. What's he going to do? He's got farmer sense. Because he's a farmer. You think he's going to pace around his acreage all day? Scratching his head and wearing out his boots? What do I do now? No. He's got farmer sense. He knows that there's sheep to tend to. And they need their feed. He knows there's a fence uh, that needs to be shorn up. He knows that there's a fence board that has been broken off and it has to be nailed back on. He knows that there are other farm chores to do because he's got farmer sense. <laughs> the world doesn't stop. The day doesn't stop and become unproductive. He just realizes because he's got some farmer sense. Hey, I'm just going to do something else. This world needs some more farmer sense. Christians today need some more judging yourselves, farmer sense, if you will. You don't need to call for help. You don't need to go to the library and get a book out and figure out what to do. He knows what to do. 
Well, let's get John chapter 7. John chapter number 7. In verse number 24, the Bible says, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Three times the word, the form of the word judge is used. Apparently, we're supposed to judge. In 1 Corinthians 11, we're seeing to judge in ourselves. It's a good place to take a look at before we judge others, by the way. But let's get some top context in John chapter 7, verse number 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses, therefore, gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And you on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? You know why the Jews are just going through the roof and completely irritated at Jesus? Because he healed somebody on the Sabbath day. And they can't stand. They can't stand it. And you know what else they did? The Jews made a presupposition that Jesus worked on the Sabbath. Because they wanted to travel. But Jesus said, where is it? In verse number 23. Look at the end of the verse. Because I have made a man every whit whole. Every whit, meaning every point. I have made a man in every point whole on the Sabbath. And the Jews couldn't stand the fact that someone got healed. And it came from Jesus. And I guess not them. And they can go, well, we circumcise, we're the law of Moses, and you're not. And, and there it goes with being a Pharisee. Go to Luke chapter 13, and I want to show you something else, and we'll tie this thought together. Remember that the Sabbath was a day of rest. And in Luke chapter 13, we're going to look at another account here. Luke chapter 13, verse number, verse number 10. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and would bowed together and could no wise lift up herself. It's a bad place to be physically. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight, glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Huh, I wonder why. Because that Jesus had healed 
on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work and not in them. Therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. In other words, you can't heal on the Sabbath, Jesus. You're breaking the law. They could have said to the woman, man, praise God, you're healed. We ought to be careful. Before we point fingers on something that we think or a motive that we think, we just need to be careful. And the Pharisees are case in point of this. It's foot and mouth, <laughs> just all the time with them. And the Lord, uh, uh, verse 15, then the Lord, the Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Come on, fellas, you're working. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? You can help your ox. You can help your ass and lead them to water on the Sabbath. But I can't help a woman who was devil possessed by Satan. Are you kidding me? That's that's the Jew. That's what he's dealing with. What was the Sabbath? The Sabbath was a day of rest. We all know that. Mark 2 says the Sabbath was made for man. And not man for the Sabbath. Okay. What do you do when you rest? Your body heals. When you rest. Emotionally. And mentally. And physically. Your body goes through a healing process. Anybody that exercises knows. And will tell you. Yeah, when I when I lift the weights and I'm on the treadmill and I'm doing all the the you know the power walking and all that, you're breaking down the muscle. And when you sit on the couch or you rest or you just kind of veg out, that's when that muscle heals and rebuilds itself stronger. Everybody knows that rest has to do with healing and recovery. Why do we work a five-day or a six-day work week or an eight or a 10 or a 12 or a six-hour day and then come home and rest? And then at the end of the week, take a day off and rest. Why? To recuperate. It's about recuperation. It's about healing. And Jesus catches them on this because you know what he did on the Sabbath day of rest? He healed. You know what rest is directly tied to? Healing and recuperation. Jesus didn't break the law. He's in complete alignment with the law, as a matter of fact. And too many times, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13. We end up trapping ourselves because we may be Everybody's motive's different. It's impossible to try to figure out everybody's motives. Many people have motives that are pure. Many people don't. Many, have, uh, many people have sincere motives that are sincerely wrong. Many people have 
unsincere motives and somehow they got it right. I mean, it's, you can't figure all of that out. So I would like to say to you tonight, let's judge in ourselves and let's try to use common sense. We know, here's some common sense prayer. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some verses uh, and turn to James five. We'll get there and then I'll just read you a few. And we'll together just look at some in James. But the Bible says, judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? So the title of the message is Use Common Sense. We've gone through the hair. We've gone through the glory. We've gone through the shame. But you know what's most important, I believe, in this passage? Let a woman pray. And sometimes we get so tied up with the appearance that we forget the most important part of the verse is that a woman should pray. So let's look at a few. Let's go through a few. First Corinthians 14, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. How about we do that? <laughs> you know, if you put something on top of your head as, an, as, as a veil or an artificial covering or an additional covering because you don't believe that the hair is enough, or if you do believe that the hair is enough and you have long hair, you know who beats you every single time as far as the right attitude before God? The woman with short hair that prays with the spirit and with the understanding also. Every time. Ephesians 6 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. You know who gets that right every single time? The native Indian. That in their culture, the men grew their hair long and that man got saved. He got born again. He loves Jesus Christ, except he didn't do something. He didn't cut his hair. It's still on a ponytail. And when he prays always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, he is more aligned with the will of God than the man that has his hair. Oh, so tucked, so tight behind his ear. There's something more important in this verse. It's that a woman prays. It's that a man prays. First Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. It's easy to preach on externals because that's something somebody can see. So I can impress you with something externally. You can impress me with something externally. I can say, see, I'm living right by the way I look, by the way I appear. Just by my appearance, I can allow someone to be convicted or not convicted. And we need to be careful of those matters because there's a spirit behind that stuff. And you know I'm for right living. I'm for all that stuff. But not at the exclusion of the right spirit with the right prayer life. And if I had to choose one or the other, I'm going with the guy or the gal that's got the right spirit and the right prayer life. Are you saying you're not? No. Yeah, I am for holy living. It's just that prayer is more holy living than any of the externals that you can fill in the blank with. I mean, it really is. It's the most important part of the verse. First Timothy 2 verse 8 says, I will therefore that men everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So that means you can lift up your hands as long as you don't have any wrath. And as long as you're not doubting what you're saying or praying, then, then lift your hand. Now, if you're doing it for some charismatic show, 
Um, you know, a lot of these apostolic ministries, they got apostolic or, or holiness or or uh, fire in, in, the, in the title of the name. What they try to do is get your body swaying or doing a motion repetitively over and over and over and over again. It's a form of hypnosis. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone honestly lifting up their hand. And if it's without wrath or doubting, that's that's okay. But I, I want people to pray. Because I know I need prayer. You need prayer? Amen. All right, James, James 5 has a bit to say about this. Let's look at James chapter 5, verse number 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Man, you find out somebody in the congregation or somebody in the assembly is afflicted. And you just move on. That ain't right. You can have a veil on your on your head, ladies. You can have your hair long. You can have your dress past your knees. You can get every right appearance. And you can be completely out of the will of God if when you come to this verse, someone says they're afflicted and you just brush them off. I'm talking about common sense. You can't even piece them together because they're so wretched. How can anybody that's a Christian not pray for someone who's afflicted? Right? You can't even piece it together because you know it's just not right. Look at verse number 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You say, is that for the church today? Seems like it is to me. <laughs> church has prayed over that man. Well, what about the whole oil thing? Well, that's what it says. That's a model on his, on his, on his, on his head. But you lay hands on him, pray for him. Well, I don't know about that. Well, you want to put something over your head? Why don't you know about this? <laughs> I'm telling you, the prayer is the most important thing we see in that little itty bitty verse that says, "Judging yourselves." Are you praying? Are you connected? Are you are you in tune with God through communing with Him in prayer? Verse sixteen: Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be. Here it is. Prayer life brings spiritual healing. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'm telling you, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's read it again. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray. 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 And it'll get our eyes off of the appearance, off of the external, off of what the Pharisees did. They see Jesus do something and they can't wait to jump on. If you look at me like that, I can't survive. It's just a matter of time until you jump on me. If I look at you like that, you can't survive. 
It's just a matter of time until you walk through those doors and I jump on you. People cannot sustain a relationship like that. Being a Pharisee, always looking. I'm not talking about throwing your brain out the window and not having and, and, and excluding the idea of having conversations or talking about things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this Pharisaical attitude that it's all focused on externals and it can't wait to prance on somebody. That's what I'm talking about. If you're praying for me, you're not looking to attack me. If I'm praying for you, I'm not looking to attack you. Well, I don't like what John, what Brother Johnny John does. Well, guess what? He probably don't like some of the things he does either. He's probably just as upset as himself if he's hard, if he's if he's honest with himself as you are. Why don't you just kind of give him a break? Now, what do you need prayer on, brother? Prayer. 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 Sexual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay. Roman Catholicism, uh, Roman Catholic nuns, have an additional covering over their head. And it's a symbol in the Roman Catholic faith that they have total concentration, consecration. They're totally consecrated to Christ. Except none of us are made sacred by wearing anything. We must be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So all of these offshoots off of the Roman Catholic mindset of this have to be careful. It separates them. Roman Catholic nuns, it separates them from the lower class to now the higher spiritual class. It's a way of separating and making distinction of classes. That's how Roman Catholicism is set up. Most nuns, not all, will cut their hair short as a way to renounce all type of vanity and show that they are totally given to God. The only problem with that is God told you not to cut off your hair. God said, ladies, you naturally have long hair. Men, you naturally have short hair. It's a way for her when she puts on that veil and she puts on that additional head covering and she cuts her hair short. It's a way that she's showing that she's refusing all pleasures, all temptations of the outside world. And she's completely given all of her femininity and all of her all of her sexual identity to God. Now, that's not only wrong, that's weird. That's weird. What happened there with that doctrine? Judging yourselves. People have thrown out common sense. And all they had to really do was read and believe what the Bible says. We see this with a lot of different groups that we could say if they've trusted Jesus Christ, it looks like their doctrine says that 
salvation's right. And they get off on these different types of ideas. This head covering movement is one of them. Um, there's head covering Baptist churches. Are you saying they're not safe? No, I'm not saying they're not safe. You saying they're not nice people? No, they're some of the nicest people you ever meet. Mennonites are off on that doctrine. You saying they're not saved? Well, if they're not trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ and they're trusting on that covering to cover their sins, and if a woman were to take that off, she'd lose her salvation, that's a problem. But if you're believing that Jesus Christ paid for your sins and you just see that verse different, then just have at it. I'm not going to get in your way. I'm not going to get in your way. I'm just simply asking, judge in yourselves. So this young lady finished work, heads to the subway. She sent somebody behind her before she got on. She's so enamored with her phone. She sits down. She's looking out the window, looking at her phone. She's got the window seat. She notices and senses a figure sat down that didn't take notice who it was. That person got up before she did when the subway finally came to a stop. When she finally makes her exit out, she's still on her phone. People walk around like this all the time. Now she gets off the subway, starts heading home. She, know that, uh, she senses someone that, that someone's following her. She starts walking faster. But she still senses that this person is gaining ground and following her. So finally she stops. She turns around because she wants to find out that she thinks she's in danger. She feels unsafe. She finally got her phone out of her way so she can get some clarity. She turns around and lo and behold, it was her husband. He starts cracking up. He got the biggest kick out of it. And he wanted to show her how clueless she is. And so after she got over herself and, you know, hit on him a few times. And how can you do this to me? How can I do this to you? You didn't even know it was me. <laughs> Why? Judging yourselves. We need to use some common sense. We have our heads buried in our phones like, like, the, like this young lady. We become oblivious. We become oblivious. And I use that story to illustrate the point that We are more connected to the world than we would like to admit. And we are becoming less and less connected to each other. As evidenced by this story. This woman was so connected to her phone that she was disconnected from her own husband who was right there. People tend to be more comfortable nowadays with their phones than with their real life human relationships. Emotions now are shared through text messages. Emotions are shared as an avatar. People can't relate to each other's feelings anymore. They'll say, I love you to a robot rather than to another human being. Do you know what common sense would tell you? That's not healthy. It's not healthy. I use that story to illustrate. Judging yourselves, we need to use some common sense. And the same way we hear that story and we say, how can somebody do that? 
Isn't it common sense that you would be aware of your surroundings? Isn't it common sense that you would share human emotions rather than artificial emojis? Well, judging yourselves, isn't it common sense that God made a distinction in men and women, and we see it, at least God showing us in hair for men and women in 1 Corinthians 11? And isn't it also common sense that in verse number 13, the most important thing is prayer? Maybe instead of having, having our heads buried in our phones, we should have our heads buried in the book. Or maybe we should have our heads, instead of buried in our computer, maybe it should be buried in our, in our bed while we're on our knees at our bedside praying to God. Or maybe it should be, instead of having our uh, buried in the, in the Facebook making the message about, you know, the Christian brother or sister or the preacher we didn't like or did this or that, maybe we should have our head buried in a group of other Christians praying for the person we're talking about. Judging yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Let's focus in the pray unto God this week. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.